Hi everyone, it's your girl Shagilola Salami and you're listening to the Shagilola Salami show and we're in a virtual cafe and my little girl, she's here again, she wants to say hello everyone, okay? Go on then. Hello everyone, hello everyone. Good, right, so everyone is at the other end of the, um, of the recording and so they're going to just say hello back to you from their houses, all right? Good. So, right. Um, today is last time I did say, you know what, let's see, what am I going to start off with? I'm not going to talk about the weather. Yes. Today, you know, we've done, you know, I made, I did something different. I actually made a pear and coconut um, pancake for breakfast today. Um, it's not every day I get to make pancakes. It's been a while since I actually did any. So I thought I would experiment because I had some coconut flakes left over from making coconut rice yesterday so i thought and it actually worked well because i didn't I've, i don't think i've ever heard of anyone having um coconut in pancake but you know i only used a little bit of coconut flakes and it seemed to go really well and my little human goes yummy in my tummy so i think that was a treat done well but anywho uh, before i get carried away talking about food all day who have i got here uh, hi, I'm Sean. Uh, I am a artist and RPG podcaster from Calgary, Alberta in Canada. Hi, Sean. So are you Sean like um, Steel and Oprah or is there a Sean something? Uh, well, I go as Sean Makes online. Okay. So hello, Sean Makes. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. This morning I had uh, a couple hard-boiled eggs and a piece of toast for breakfast. It was pretty good. Hard-boiled egg with toast. Now that's good. We we like hard-boiled eggs. Simple and straight to the point, but does the job. Yeah, a little bit of mustard spices it up and uh, I'm good to go for the rest of the day. <laughs> mustard? See, I've never really been a fan of mustard myself. I'd been a few years. Uh, when I was a kid, I really didn't like it, but then I started liking it once I was... Uh, I'd say once I started growing up a bit, but uh, yeah, then I was good. All right. Okay. No, that's, that's fine. So yes, you were saying you were telling us about yourself, but I didn't really get what you said. Uh, so I'm an RPG podcaster and an artist. Uh, my podcast is an actual play RPG podcast. So we play various RPG games, role-playing games like uh, Dungeons and Dragons or Star Wars or Dungeon World and through that create collaborative stories with my players in order to uh, uh, create some interesting content and, and create stories that uh, you know have a little bit of action have a little bit of comedy uh, and a little bit of that drama component that uh, I think really makes it really really fun and interesting to listen to okay okay so I've learned something new today RPG role-playing games mm, okay I feel like I'm going to become a geek very soon. Just, you know, by the end of this, I probably have my, my geek medal. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay, cool. So now you do RPG podcast, a role-playing game podcast. So that's like almost like an audio drama because you have all these role-playing and all these other things going on, right? Does that sound like? Yeah, I, I consider it kind of in the same vein because we have a, a group of performers and they're all taking on the role of a character. Uh, there is a narrative element there that's trying to drive the action forward. They have a quest or they have a story that they're trying to play out. And 
it's up to them to discover how they get to that point of conflict or that point of climax where uh, the bad guy is defeated or they discover the mystery behind uh, whatever the story is about. And that collaborative or that improvisational aspect to it is what makes it a little bit different from like a scripted audio drama or a, or a audio play. Right. Okay. So do you have to do like, I mean, I understand, you know, it's unscripted. So does that just mean everyone just sort of does their own thing and improvises or do you sort of have to write a sort of like an angle or is there no writing whatsoever, no planning whatsoever? There's absolutely writing, absolutely planning. Uh, I play, I, I'm the game master for the podcast right now. And so what that means is I have an overarching story in mind and I'm trying to think about how to best engage the characters that my players or my performers have conceived of. So, so they've thought up that it would be interesting to be this player, this character in this world. And I'm telling them, well, in that world that your character lives in, uh, something terrible is happening or something has happened to you. And then they have to start responding to that. And from episode to episode, I'm planning what are the main beats that we want to hit in order to create a long form story, maybe over the course of 10 or 12 uh, sessions or episodes. So how does the improvisation change what you've, you've done so far? Uh, well, that's the really interesting part because I could say uh, there is a murder scene in a city and the players are the first ones to happen across it. And depending on their interpretation or their character's reaction, it might turn into something uh, totally different than what I intended, which is fun to roll with. And I get to improvise as well in response to that. So they might take on the role of Sherlock Holmes and try and solve the mystery. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe one of them is somebody with criminal ties and they decide that this has to be covered up. And then suddenly that's two totally different stories. Um, that I get to react to. And then we play that out for an hour, maybe edit it down. And then when it comes to the next session, I start to plan again. And I think, okay, so if they decide that they're part of a criminal element, what does that mean for the rest of the world or who, how is the rest of the world going to react to them being involved in this mystery? Wow. That sounds totally amazing. So how, how do you get your players and where do you guys normally do your Because I, I know I've heard of like online gaming communities and stuff like that. Well, because it's not something that I've ever been interested in, I've never really put, you know, any, you know, attention to it. So how, how does it work? I'm, I'm really fortunate that all of the guys that I play with, guys and girls that I play with, are people that I've known since I was in high school. So like almost 15 years now. And we're really comfortable with each other. We're, we've been playing role-playing games for a long time together. And only recently have we started recording. But we have that level of comfort, chemistry. We know each other's limitations. We know each other's uh, likes and dislikes for creating uh, one of these interactive stories. And uh, rather than uh, playing with someone I've never met before, the chemistry would be quite different, especially if we were going in knowing what we were going to be recording it. It would be a, a much more experimental. Okay, so where do you guys, um, do you, so you know these people, how do you record? Uh, we all record in uh, one of our living rooms. We've got a bunch of microphones and an audio interface set up, and uh, we just play around a table. Uh, we have a bunch of laptops and notepads and a big dry erase mat in the middle of the table so that we can talk about, you know, if there's a battle scene, where is everybody? We 
all are in person, which I think is important because uh, with something like this, being able to uh, point something out or look at somebody or uh, have that kind of little bit of extra interaction makes it a little bit easier to do something where it's so improv improvisational. Okay, that's fine. So what systems do you guys use to record? Like, are you just playing like, you know, maybe like on an Xbox or uh, what's uh, the computer? No, it's, it's actually a pen and paper game. So we're playing oh. entirely using, using paper and uh, dry erase mat and dice, uh, just like old school Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, really? Wow. Yeah, so I, I thought you were like, you know, doing something, you know, very futuristic online gaming community and you're just recording and it's, oh, that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah, the most futuristic part of it is the microphones, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but continue. Um, so what to what what sort of system do you use? Do you just have like a normal um, you know, microphone that like you said, you've got your mic. Is that do you have any special software for recording? Um, uh, how does it work? We use the Reaper software to record. We have uh, a bunch of uh, professional microphones. One of our uh, players is also our audio engineer is also a musician. So he had a bunch of equipment. He's got AT2020s, SM58s, and uh, I can't remember the name of his interface, but we, we've got like real recording equipment there. We plug it into his, his computer through the interface and he's recording into a program called Reaper. And then he goes back and edits out some of the coughing and mumbling and and adds in music, which really creates a much more interesting atmosphere once you go to listen to it. Wow. Okay. So are you going to share an episode for us to listen to and get an idea of what your show is about? Absolutely. I've got our latest episode, which came out just in mid-January here. Uh, it features all of our players delving for the first time into the jungles of Chult. Fabulous. So I guess we're going to play that in three, two... What? Last time on House of Annihilation, the crew of the High Havoc without ship or sail to their name find themselves in the city of Port Nyanzaru, the jewel of Chult. With their captain suffering from shock and their ship's mage Haxil succumbing to a terrible death curse, it falls to them to delve into the dangerous jungles of Chult. They hope to find a way to stop the spread of the necrotic curse afflicting both those who have been resurrected from death and those newly brought into the world as the evil artifact the Soulmonger rips the life from even the unborn. I'm Dan. I'll be playing Liani, Liana, Servana, the Elf Beastmaster. Hi, I'm Jake. I'm playing as Cranston Thorn, the Half-Elf Bard. I'm Trevor, and I'll be playing Rai Vin Osborne, Half-Elf Barbarian. My name's Alex, and I'll be playing as Hork Jones, the Human Fighter. I'm Schubert. I'll be playing Farul of Farul and Gondolo, adventurers and guides extraordinaire. As the opening credits fade, the camera pans across a bright and sunny harbor. The huge white stone walls of Baldur's Gate rise up behind, and an elven girl is skipping down the wooden boardwalk, flashing friendly smiles at the passing townspeople. She's wearing a brand new rain cloak, carrying a basket loaded with fresh food, and her hair is braided and tied back in imitation of the female dock workers and sailors that trudge around doing their morning tasks. Hey! shouts a voice. Liani! Over here, girl! It's a middle-aged human man. He has a patchy yellow and white beard dangling long over his portly belly. Young Liani dashes up, offering him the basket with a smile. Where are we going, father? I want to know! She cannot contain her excitement. We'll get where we're going soon enough, lass. It's about the journey, not the destination, he laughs. It's not long before the small merchant ship, named the Willow, 
and her crew were prepared and ready. Liani glues herself to the bow, and the grin that grips her ear to ear does not fade until long after the city has slipped over the horizon behind them, the vast blue ocean promising adventure unlike anything she has ever seen. Fate now with an older, wiser Liani and her companions dragging newly purchased supplies and food for their foray into the black jungle of Chult. Gone is the naive glee of her childhood. She does not skip or grin as she loads her gear into the cart, buckled to the ancient and arthritic Triceratops. In the old city of Port Nainzaru, the massive gray and brown cigarettes called the Beggar's Palaces are covered in a mess of bamboo tenements and slum houses. The stench of the city's massive refuse pits waft across the street, and ahead of them looming over all, like a black-green cloud of doom, is the canopy of the jungle. Liani can't help but feel a bit of fear and uncertainty lump in her throat. It's about the journey, she whispers to herself not the destination you guys are uh, loading your stuff up into the triceratops's cart and gondolo says all right well uh just give us that 30 day advance and we can get going we already did, we did. um check your pockets oh no my pockets are totally empty i promise you that i had a good night <laughs> <laughs> and you wonder why because you spent all of our money that that makes a fair amount of sense <laughs> Here, for roll, help them load up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a team. <laughs> Do I look like a pack mule? Isn't that what you guys are for? You're the adventurers. Right. Yes. We just show them where to go. But you guys got, like, a, a wagon on the dinosaur for us to... Mm-hmm. You also literally put in your ad, we do the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah. Look, I will do... Say that. I will do... I will do... You po- wrote that. That's idiotic. <laughs> I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> for, for Roland Gondolo, hyphen heavy lifting. I think we're getting ready to ask for our deposit back. Yeah, that was actually All referring right. to our triceratops. Carrying your ear. Exactly. That's Zongo's job. He is a heavy lifter. And we are the guides. Exactly. Now. I mean, that's fine. Our shit isn't that heavy. I've already loaded it (laughs) up. And Zongo is ready. Zongo's ready to go. Looks like you guys are all loaded up. Uh, Where do you want to go? Well, I'm curious about the skull and crossbones on the map. That seems fun. Uh, Syndra told you that uh, the skull and crossbones that she's marked on your map kind of zones are areas that are agreed to be more uh, heavily infested with undead. Okay. She's explained to you very loosely that there was some sort of catastrophic event that happened somewhere in the jungle that caused a multitude of undead to be kind of unleashed uh, 100, 200 years ago. It's probably good a good lead, though. We're kind of following the undead, aren't we? We do have reason to believe that the soulmonger is necrotic in is, nature. Is that why Horik packed a ladder in his chest? <laughs> who, the, who brought a ladder? Horik brought a ladder in their chest. Yeah. A collapsible Just in ladder. case. <laughs> so, and you said that Did I you like smash how, it? In how the else do I get up to the crow's nest to do the navigating? We're not on a boat. All right. So I'm just going to start marching the triceratops out and we can turn left whenever you guys want so i assume we were probably going to be following the river down or something um but do we which way do we want to go river we're following the main river tyriac or yes we could follow we could follow either of those rivers uh 
Zongo is really good at walking, and... Gondolo and I got slightly intoxicated the previous evening. Um, who are all of you again? <laughs> That's good, actually. I I am curious about this as well. <laughs> Where are the people that hired you? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And I, certainly uh, um, some sort of handshake took place. Well, and you guys say you paid us. We sh- certainly did. All right, so we'll t- have to take that on faith, and when some treasure shows up in the jungle, we'll f- nego- renegotiate, of course. Um, t- tell us about Camp Righteous and Camp Vengeance. I believe that those are camps of Order of the Gauntlet. Hmm. Uh, we should avoid them. I don't remember who they were. Well, well, were they the guys in... You guys have not heard about them yet. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. oh, I, thought, yeah, I thought you could roll... History or religion? Oh, I got 15, actually. <laughs> so you guys hired... Us? And now we're telling you about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Cranston, you have... We hired your Triceratops to carry things for us, basically. (laughs) And for you guys to take two hits that would otherwise hit us. (laughs) Cranston, you remember... Harsh. uh, (laughs) Cranston, you uh, remember hearing about the Order of the Gauntlet. Uh, They are an order of, of, like, knights or paladins that swear oaths to uh, purge the world of evil. Mm. Um, So they're actually probably here to hunt the undead. Right, makes sense. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know, it makes sense to me. We probably follow the River Social Star then, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, No no problem. We could totally do that. Okay, Zongo? We could do that. Or... (laughs) (laughs) Right, for all, you seem to have an idea. Well, I just, you know... There's that treasure map that I got in the bet, you know. Are you, are you sure that this is? Can we trust these guys? No, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Farul and Gondola put their head together for a minute, and uh, they come back. Probably half of them will die on the way. <laughs> we won't have to split it between that many. And... You have an excellent point. <laughs> All right, uh, they come back and they unfurl this uh, beer and Tej stained uh, map. It looks like uh, like somebody drew a nap on a on a bar napkin, essentially, um, showing two uh, two rivers going down, and there's something called Needles Bones. And Gondolo is sure that if you follow the river Shoshin Star, uh, you'll get there. Whoever's got the highest survival can roll a survival. Okay, I guess I'll roll thirteen. Thirteen. That is enough to know that Gondolo is holding the map upside down and that Needle's Bone is actually somewhere over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, These are our guys? We hired the wrong guys. You don't even know how to read a map. But they got a map in a drunk, uh, <clears throat> bartering, drinking our hired money. This is a map. It sounds stupid enough that like anyone could draw a map and they'd think it's like... Where did you guys get this map? They yeah. forgot that we paid them. Where did we get it? <laughs> uh, yes, well, well we are at the, we are at Remember the, when I was betting and we we bet the dice all game. our yeah, yeah. And we bet all our money again. Right. And we thought that Zongo could win that race. Yes. And we didn't and we didn't realize that he was into racing. Dinosaur. And then you pickpocketed that other guy. Check your pockets. <laughs> that might have been me. No. We don't do those things. Gondolo. 
I hope you didn't put any like. They precious. seem like good guys. Let's just be honest with them. We found the map. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in someone's pocket. All right. So here's the plan. We're gonna ride Zongo, and we're gonna start here. And by the time I start making you guys roll stuff, we'll be about here. <laughs> All right, so Ferul and Gondolo lead you out of the city into the wilderness. Before we go... Oh, God. Yep. I, I just need to forge some travel papers. Oh, you could do that on the way for sure. Okay, well, then I do it on the way. Okay, give me an appropriate roll for forging. Uh, deception, I assume? I think so. First, I'm going to cast Eagle Splendor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. What are you, some kind of magic man? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Some kind. <laughs> so I just get advantage on the check. Um, so 20 is my best. All right. So hey, you everybody, have... get a load of this guy. Casting spells. So as you're, as you're wandering down <laughs> towards the jungle, uh, Cranston is busy with a uh, piece of parchment and ink and is creating a fake charter of exploration, uh, hope, hoping to pass any inspections along the way. Why wouldn't our... So anybody... Because they're, they're garbage. <laughs> they are walking garbage people. <laughs> guys, <laughs> we're not really in charge of the charter. Uh, you guys are in charge of the charter. We're in charge of the Triceratops. We just hired you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we need your to muscle. To guide us to the treasure. That's all right. this is. So I told right, you we should have gone with you. Yeah, Hack we haven't Stone. received our payment yet. Our, the payment, if you'll remember what we discussed, I believe, earlier... Is that you'll get some kind of you guys split twenty percent of the treasure. You get a dragon horde. We split twenty percent, and you get to keep that other eighty percent. Well, who's hiring a who? You hired us. You just said that. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys split twenty percent, and we keep that eighty. No, no, it's split even, fifty-fifty. That's better than twenty. Even shares all the round. Yeah, fifty-fifty. Sure. Gondolo, Zongo, and Farul, and (laughs) the rest of you. The dinosaur gets a cut. He's doing a lot of work. He's doing most of the work. Most of the work. 50 doesn't, like... Yeah, 50-50-50. So you guys argue your way into the jungle. (laughs) Past the encounters. The first few miles miles are clear-cut and well-worn, allowing you guys to go at a quicker pace. Every monster is like, ugh. I don't want to get into Zombies, like, look around the tree, and they're like... I don't want to have to roll, like, a diplomacy or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, uh, but then... Once you hit the jungle, the brush becomes chokingly thick. Gondolo coaxes Zongo through the forest. The guide's huge triceratops is lumbering through, smashing trees and foliage out of the way. It makes it a little bit easier for you guys to walk, but it's not exactly fast. The heat and humidity is oppressive. If you're wearing any sort of armor at all, it quickly starts to chafe and stink from your own sweat. The thirst out here is um, is absolutely unbearable. Is Zongo wearing armor? Zongo is not wearing armor. Although he smells even worse. (laughs) Pork's thighs are chafing pretty bad. Looks of all your leg armor. (laughs) I just, full leather armor. Sure. That's why I don't wear any armor at all. (laughs) You guys can see. (laughs) You guys can see there's a multitude of ponds and streams as you pass. In all of them. (laughs) Okay, we'll reduce your armor by two. You can see in the multitude of ponds and streams you pass that the water out here is really brackish, sometimes stagnant, frequently alive and teeming with insects. You guys all had insect repellent, right? 
Yeah. Uh, so. uh, yeah. yeah. I definitely did. I don't see any on yours. This is like the one thing, along with water, that Gondola and Ferul actually managed to bring. Uh, in the afternoon, the sky clouds over, and uh, there are some thick, billowy gray clouds, fat with rain, and they begin to dump heavily on the jungle. Uh, Ferul, who forgot his raincoat, oh. is completely miserable. <laughs> oh. It was part of his armor. After lunch, you guys have trudged on for maybe three hours. When ahead of you, nestled into the crevice of a sunken canyon, entwined in roots and vines, is a massive ten-foot-tall statue. Uh, it's carved of large blocks of volcanic stone. It's not super detailed, not incredibly well made, uh, but its stern features and presence makes you think that it's a representation of someone of reverence or power. So a god of some sort? Maybe. Um, upon examination, you can see that it's probably a Chilton god. It does appear to be quite similar to the statue you guys saw in the harbor a couple days ago. Oh. Um, but what about that one, uh, that one person we saved off the edge of the boat? That was kept rambling about this giant statue that they'd seen. They looked crazed, and they took their own life the next night. Wait, what? What? I don't remember that happening. He's making it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we were on the... (laughs) We were at Scranton. I'm sure we were there. That's fine. We don't care. Uh, We care a little bit. Uh, But we pretend not to care. (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're nagging the statue. Yeah. <laughs> Question: Did yep. we bring Darg and Hackensell, or are they Hacks, Haxel, Haxel? Haxel is of no, yeah, in no condition figured. to adventure. And Darg stayed. To, we put him in a hotel, didn't we? Yeah. 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 Well, we have to put him in a hotel. Yeah. Gondolo pulls up on Zongo and uh, says, "Aha! Uh, 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 this appears to be an ancient Chilton ruin." And I'm quite certain that there would usually be treasure around a ruin. That actually makes sense to me. That's yeah. scary. Treasure! <laughs> Did you Everything say let's... Everything says makes sense. He's a master strategist. I'm an excellent guys... guide. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but... It doesn't hurt to look, right, guys? Yeah, let's cautiously approach. Uh, yeah, um, you guys move up here to examine it. You can use all sorts of skills... Acrobatics about it. Crawl up it. Okay, give me an acrobatics check. I got a grappling hook. You want to borrow it? Mm, No, I don't need it. I throw the grappling hook at you (laughs) (laughs) and hook you back down. (laughs) I, you did. I got a one. I got a one. You got a one. I got a one, and then well, I modified that. Is it not? Acrobatics, so it's seven. No, it's not an automatic fail. Uh, Really? (laughs) A skill, a a skill you never automatically fail or succeed on. Okay. Okay, so I got a seven. Okay, so you uh, you get about you get about halfway up the statue. You see sitting in the a chest cavity, uh, some sort of uh, orb, treasure. But then you slip (laughs) and fall down to the ground. The branches and vines around the uh, statue suddenly spring to life and start grabbing at you. Right, what Man do you do? <laughs> Cleanse it with fire. It's going to... Uh, but not too much fire, because I'm... There. It's also raining heavily on you guys, if you don't remember. First thing that happens, as soon as you hit it, it's going to... It's trying to constrict you. Does a 19 hit you? Yes, because I... 18. Okay. Uh, you're going to take... 2d6 damage. Oh no! 15 damage. Oh my god! 15 damage. Good thing I got 38. And you are grappled. So, at the beginning of each of your turns, you're going to start taking poison damage. Oh! Uh, The rest of you, well, everybody's going to roll initiative. Alright. 
17. Horik. 7. Cranston. But 9. I'm gonna try. 12. Liani. 16. As you guys try to leap into action to respond to Rai falling and getting attacked by this assassin vine, the ground around you, the, the leaves and vines of the foliage of the ground has actually started to kind of pluck and grab at your legs. So uh, everything around you right now is difficult terrain. Does so, it yeah. seem like connected to the vines? It seems, well, yeah, it's like, all seems like the whole area around it is, is living in a 15 foot radius around it. Uh, so we've got Ferule up first. You're currently yeah. outside of the range of the vines. I charge in. <laughs> Sword in hand. Ah! It's uh, actually the first time I've used it in combat. Okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> you want to look cool in front of me. I want to look you yeah, move, cool. You move five feet forward. I can do an attack? Uh, yep. Good hit, actually. I uh, rolled a 14. That hits. So eight damage. <laughs> You slash against the vines with your uh, your short sword, uh, cutting cutting <laughs> some of the you? coming setting the plant matter up. Liani, you're next. You and you and Cougar. DC thirteen strength saving throw where you're restrained. Strength saving throw. Yeah. Strength is not my strong suit. Thirteen. You're out. Woo! <laughs> uh, I'm gonna slash at the vines attached to right. Do it. Yeah, that's Ooh. good. Uh, um, twenty six. That hits. That's what I thought. Go ahead, roll your that was damage. That's even better than my attack. Not as good as your damage, though. Six damage. Six damage. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my bonus action. Mm-hmm. And attack again with the short sword and a crit. <laughs> you crit with your offhand. Yeah. Okay, so you just uh, roll your damage dice twice. Remember, you don't add anything when you're using a two or second. Weapon. I don't add extra to it. Okay. <laughs> Four. Okay. Next, we got Rai. Okay, I take additional damage right now. Yeah, you're gonna take. It's not another fifteen, some, is it? It is gonna be six, sixteen. Uh, sixteen plus seven is twenty-three poison damage. I'm dead. You're dead. I'm dead. You're at zero. I'm at zero. So you're gonna. Right. I got choked <laughs> out. So you're, gonna, <laughs> so, you, so you're not dead until you are your con score below zero. My con score below. So like, is that you have to be a negative eighteen? Negative eighteen. <coughs> okay. So yeah. Now I'm just on. So keep tracking where you're at. You'll be rolling death. So that was minus twenty three. Yeah. Twenty three. You have like thirty seven hit points. No, I got thirty eight. He is the most. Terrible. I have thirty eight <laughs> hit points. Like First one was fifteen. <laughs> next one was twenty eight. That's two. Two moves. It's your turn. You just feel unconscious. Done. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Thanks for rubbing it in. Cranston. Cranston, it's your turn. Yeah, I'm going to drop a, a level two cure light wounds on Rai. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, ten hit points. So does he go to zero and then heal? or? Uh, yeah, he goes to zero and then heal, so you'll be a positive ten. Wow. Uh, and then I step back. Uh, savior. About fifteen. I guess three squares. Uh, just to let you know, without taking the draw action, you take a knock of opportunity. Oh, sure you still want to move back? right. You have to spend an action to disengage, yeah. Right. Um, shoot. Okay, I'll try it anyway. Okay. Uh, 14. Nope. Alright, so you managed to slip away from those wriggling vines. Uh, next we have Horek. You have Bardic Inspiration as well. Oh as, my god. As I'm running away, I say, kill him! Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you, Cranston. <laughs> Make a strength check to get out of the restraining 
uh, of the little vines and plants that are grabbing so you. Are all restrained. By yeah, you're just just close. Just this whole uh, area. Twelve. Oh, not enough. You are stuck in place. Um, you could spend your action right now to make an athletics check to try and free yourself out, ripping your. That's ripping exactly your what I'm going to do. Okay. 20. Modified twenty. You managed to rip yourself out, so all you have now is a move. You don't have any attack action left. Three flips, bro. Um, so is anyone else stuck still? Um, <laughs> I'm totally fine. Yeah, Rai's still stuck. Rai's he's not unconscious, stuck. but he's still stuck. I don't, yeah. think you're, I don't think you're grappled anymore. He would have dropped you when you died, probably. I'm not grappled anymore? Yes! It's dealing with its living enemies. Oh, its first oh my god. Because, yeah, it dealt 23 damage before I could even make a move. Yeah. So, that sucks. <laughs> so I have no attack move, then. Yeah, but you can move. Like, you just can't make an attack. I'm just going to forfeit the move. Oh, you're just going to stay where you are? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the vine is going to go again. Uh, Liani, you did do quite a bit of damage to it, so it's going to try grabbing for you. Oh. <laughs> I am so sorry. Vines start to wrap around your ankles and knees. You manage to jump back just in time, ripping yourself free. Sweet. Uh, I did what right. For rule. You just saw this. You just saw this guy drop dead in front of you, and then and then and then Cranston touched him. He jumped back to life, still lying on the ground. But you can hear him screaming in pain as he's trying to get out of this writhing mass of vines. Covered. I'm just gonna go check on Zongo really quick. Uh. (laughs) They run away. (laughs) Two, three. Yeah, you get two both there. Gondola can like, really mess this mindset. Gond- yeah, you hear Gondola in the back like, You can do it! <laughs> do it! <laughs> you guys are great! Kill the thing! <laughs> I'm I gonna make a great lunch after this! <laughs> <laughs> if you can make a great lunch, then it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liani, your turn. Alright. Slashy, slashy. And Cougar's gonna get up in there and rip, rip and tear. Alright. 19 to hit. That hits. Cool. Six damage. Okay. And I'm gonna bonus action. And I'm gonna miss. Okay. And town. He's gonna claw. Okay. Uh, Sixteen. Sixteen to hit. Hits. Cool. Come on. Five damage. Five damage. All right, Rye. You're lying uh, prone in this massive writhing vines that just is grabbing at Liani. Town is kind of distracting them. A little bit, but you're gonna have to get up or get out of there. Wow, that was a really interesting episode. Um, you know, it's like role-playing games. You know, seriously, I, I really feel like I've learned something new because, like, it's like it's still sort of going around in my head. RPG role-playing games, and you know, you being able to turn you know a game into an audio podcast—that's something I didn't even think was possible. But anyways, before I start going in and out and about your episode, tell me, how did you, you know, put this particular episode together? I mean, I know you said that, you know, when you have a script or, you know, or you have a plan and then when the game is actually being played, you know, it becomes sort of non-scripted. So how did what we've listened to differ to what you originally had planned? Uh, So my original plan uh, was, uh, I thought I was only going to have, four performers working with me for this episode. But then at uh, last minute, we were able to add in another performer that I think is really great. His name is uh, Schubert and he plays for rule in this episode, uh, which was 
uh, a character that is in, in role-playing games they are called non-player characters. So they are a little less powerful in terms of like their combat mechanics or their game mechanics, but they're usually used to deliver information to the players. Uh, so for this case, I had Dave join as a performer and I knew that I, his improv skills are to the point where I want him to be playing a, almost against the players in a way where he's able to provide a foil to their efforts, but still work with them towards a common goal. It's, it's kind of a, a double face coin. And so yeah. when he came, when he came in, I had given him a character blurb for rule is like this. He's buddies with Gondolo. They work together at, as guides, but they're really not very good at it. They're kind of like daddy's boys who came, you know, like think of it as like colonial Africa or colonial Brazil, where these guys come thinking that they're going to get rich but it just end up spending all their money gambling and, and, and now they're trying to anything they can to make some extra money. That's what Farul and Gondolo are. So he took to the role of Farul right away and ended up changing some of the plans about where they were going to go in the jungle, uh, what their path was going to take. I originally thought they were going to go down a different river. And so that I have a real map for what this, this jungle looks like. It's actually a pre-published adventure from uh wizards of the coast that we're playing through and okay yeah and so that gives me a certain amount of information and then i write my narrative on top of that and then he comes in and he says no 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 guys we shouldn't go that way i have this treasure map we should go this way and then everybody everybody's eyes light up and they think oh treasure let's let's do that in addition to this other thing because for this other thing we really don't know where our destination is. We just kind of have to get used to where we are first. So that gives them a little bit of direction coming from another player. Uh, and then I have to adapt my plan. So originally my plan was they would go to a, a encampment of humans living in the forest. Now they're headed towards uh, an encampment of non-humans, of monster creatures that they're eventually going to run into. Wow, that's 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 quite interesting. Um, but then, does the does the improvisation ever phase you? Uh, I've known these guys for so long and played with them for so long that I I plan just enough that if they screw me up, I can adapt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds that sounds you know sort of quite um, interesting. So, just out of interest. I mean, I know you've been playing, you know, RPGs for a while. How or when or what made you decide to actually make it into a podcast or an audio drama or whatever the term is? You know, I don't even know when I heard of the first RPG podcast personally, but I remember even back, I was going to art school like 2008, 2007, and I knew that RPGs were an important, story, were an important storytelling uh, strategy for me. I knew that the way that narrative came out of them was really important to me. I wanted to explore that in a, in a recorded or performative manner. Um, at the time, all we had was one uh, Yeti mic and we'd set it in front of the table and we would record and the quality was terrible and we weren't really think of it as, thinking of it at the time as performers. We were thinking of it almost as like 
it would be fun for us later to go back and listen to it. And that started to evolve. And when Alex, who's our uh, audio engineer, joined the group as a performer, or as a player, he came with a bunch of equipment and suddenly it just clicked. We have the means now. All we have to do is pay for web hosting. And so that started changing the way that we play. We got a lot more uh, particular about what we were doing during our during our play sessions we had to schedule some that are just for fun and schedule some that are just for recording and we took it from there that's that's really where we are right now we have sessions up on our podcast that uh, we're really proud of and and we've trimmed it back a little bit where when we were first posting it probably was not our best work and now we're trying to really make sure that our best work is out there for people to listen to You know, that's fabulous because I guess you can see the growth, you know, you guys have had from when you first started um, to where you're at now. So when did you first release, uh, when did you release your first episode? Uh, our first episode came out last May, but uh, we've since taken that a few of them down from last year just because we've made big advancements in terms of like our audio quality and our mic discipline and, and also our ability to string the story together in a performative manner. Uh, that we're much more proud of the last six episodes that we've actually kept up. Yeah. No, it'd be quite interesting to just leave the old episodes there, you know, just so that, you know, anyone who's starting out can see that actually to start out, you don't have to have perfection and, you yep. know, grow, um, you know, in your craft, you know, cause I say, you know, the more you do, the better you get, then, you know, people can actually see that you don't have to start out with the best equipment. You don't have to start out having, you know, a sound engineer and all these fancy things. But then as you grow, um, you know, you will then have everything. That's absolutely true. I think that one day uh, those might be bonus content for listeners or something like that. I, I, I still like those stories. I, they're just more difficult to listen to because, uh, you know, some people are way far away from the mic and they're too quiet and you can't tell what's happening in some scenes. That's, that's kind of the, the unfortunate part of those. I wish that we had some way of cleaning them up a little bit more. Ah, okay. Okay. I get you. So I know you said, you know, it's something you've been doing, but what was your inspiration though? Why did you decide to, um, you know, sort of do this and do it regularly? And what do you hope to get out of, you know, out of, out of doing your um, RPG podcast? Uh, well, um, I myself am an artist and a writer. Uh, several of my other uh, compatriots are also writers and uh, artists and aspiring game designers. And this world of the RPG podcasts and RPG performance and streaming and Twitch and stuff like that uh, is a is a, a marketplace, not a marketplace, but like a. Uh, a venue for us to showcase our skills, meet new people. Maybe we play with new people. Maybe we create artwork for new clients. Maybe we create content for RPGs that we can then go and publish. And I think that that is uh, one of the many goals in addition to just enjoying the act of performance and the creation of stories. Okay, that, that's, that, that's quite interesting. Um, so if someone was starting out, what advice would you give or, you know, what tips would you give someone starting out, in, you know, in the, same, in the same thing that you do? Uh, well, I have probably two different, like, elements of tips. So one is just for role-play games. 
you don't need a microphone. You don't need voice actors. You just need some friends and a couple of dice. I highly recommend that everybody try it. There's actually lots of free RPG systems online. There's free dice apps. So literally you could start playing with just a pencil and paper and a little bit of the internet. It's highly, highly accessible. I highly recommend that everybody try it out because like you're a, you're a creative person. Your listeners are probably creative people, all writers, all readers. They probably have read fantasy novels like J.R.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis or any of those other fantastic writers. Mm-hmm. They, they have what it takes to be a role player. And, and it's some of the most fun that I've ever, ever had. From the other perspective, from the recording or publishing perspective, I'd say if you really want to be making an RPG podcast or an RPG stream where you're acting as a performer, you have to really be a performer or an, or an actor before uh, a player. And, and for that, sometimes a player wants to win all the time, right? You think if you're playing football or if you're playing soccer, uh, basketball or something like that, you want, you want to win the game. It has to be different when you're creating a story. You have to be willing to let mistakes and and bad things happen to your characters in order for it to be a real story, in order for it to have driving tension. And that uh, you have to be willing to say yes and when you come to improvising. Uh, There's lots and lots of videos about improvisational acting and, and we do our research on that and we try and take all of that into mind when we create a story that you know we're not necessarily trying to win we're trying to create an interesting story yes no that's that's totally um you know that's that's quite um interesting but you know what i think we've taken enough of your time and hopefully we might see you again at some point in the future so just remind me what's your what's your rpg podcast called again so the RPG podcast is called the House of Bob podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play. Our website is www.hobcast.com, H-O-B-cast. Uh, we're also on social media. Come join us. Let us know what you think. Uh, we love new listeners and we love new opinions and comments. Fabulous. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I hope we'll catch you again sometime soon. Um, so until next time, everyone, thanks for listening in. Little human, do you want to say bye, everyone? Yeah. Okay, come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. We've got to go, we've got to go. And we're, why are we crawling? So I've got to figure out. <laughs> bye, everyone. Okay, bye, everyone. And until bye. next Bye, thank you very much. <laughs> it's the Shekilola Salami shirt. Okay, bye now.